welcome to this uh, episode of Paul and All. As always, I'm your host, Paul Casey. And this episode, in celebration of the anniversary of the premiere of Star Trek, the original series, which just celebrated its anniversary uh, within within the last few days of this recording, Um, I am going to present to you the worst episode that we recorded of Just Trekking Along. And I say we recorded, but luckily Dave has the excuse of not even being involved at all. So it is the worst episode I ever recorded. It's terrible sound quality. It was the first podcast I ever recorded by myself. Um, and as you may know from some of these, I'm great at talking. I'm just not necessarily the best when I'm talking by myself. If I have something, I'm better when I have someone to play off of. Just going to say that. And I'm going to say that and I'm going to leave you with this. Um, here it is the worst episode of just trekking along Uh, talking about the episode The Naked Time. Uh, I called this one Nudes, Nudes, Nudes. So here you go. Happy birthday, Star Trek. Sorry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Just Trekking Along. Uh, Today is a little bit of a different sort of uh, edition because uh, it's just me your host, Paul. Uh, Dave wasn't able to join us for this particular episode, so unfortunately you're just stuck with me babbling on about Trek. Uh, Today we will, oh, I will be discussing the episode The Naked Time, which was episode four in aired order, but that means that it would be episode five for us, including the cage. Um... Now, normally the way that uh, we do this is Dave will go through and give us a bit of a recap of the episode. So I guess it falls onto me to do that. So a quick recap. The Enterprise crew is orbiting a planet, uh, Psi 2000, which was a planet that at one point was very similar to Earth until their sun turned dark and then they started to freeze over, which at one point later in the episode, Spock says, uh, might happen to us, but that would be, you know, far off in the future from them, and they're far off in the future from us, so, uh, but Spock does predict that that will happen, much like this planet, Psi 2000. Uh, Spock and Lieutenant, uh, Joe, uh, Tormolin, as I see here in my notes, um, comes over, or they, they come to the planet and everything is, uh, frozen over. Um, there's a man just frozen at his desk and it seems as if nothing that surrounded him was able to, uh, distract him from what was going on. Uh, they find a, a, a dead body, which was, had been choked, um, or strangled, as Spock says, it had been strangled. Um, and there's just several dead bodies. There was, uh, a person in the shower with their clothes still on, and they found this very strange. And, uh, then Joe Tormolin, the, the, the man who went down with Spock, um, he does what I think is probably one of the most foolish things that one could do. He takes off part of his hazmat suit and to, so he could scratch his nose, and, um, he exposes himself to, uh, the, uh, he accidentally exposes himself to the blood of this deceased, one of the deceased, which then gets on him, and, uh, it, you know, it causes the, the, uh, the infection that goes throughout the whole episode. Um, then they, they go back to the ship, and there's, they, they get, they think they get decontaminated. Obviously, we know that's not true because uh, the they decontaminate their hazmat suits and not uh, the people in particular. Because Spock doesn't know that this man has ta- ha- had taken off part of his hazmat suit at one point. 
Um, and then of course they get checked out by uh, by Bones McCoy, and uh, him and Spock have a nice nice uh, little exchange, which I'll get to later. Uh, but it, it further shows um, things from the past that uh, Dave and I have talked about, where it's um, this sort of uh, friendly rivalry between uh, Spock and McCoy. Um, then, uh, then the the guy, the Joe. They keep calling him Joe. Um, he he starts to act a little strange once Kirk comes in, and he starts sort of questioning what they're doing there in space. You know, what? Why are they there? And you know, people still die, and there's so much, so many strange things going on that it's not necessarily for them to explore. And uh, Kirk, you know, tells him, maybe you, maybe you need to get a little rest there, Lieutenant. And but he doesn't, it doesn't really uh, phase him, phase Kirk at all, because it's just, you know, oh well, maybe he's just questioning things, which people tend to do. Um, and then uh, Kirk gathers his senior officers to to discuss, you know, what could have happened on the planet. Uh, you know what like why they think everything went down the way that it did if it's possible that uh, any of that could transfer up to the ship uh, what's going on because uh, the 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 something's going on with the planet that it's about to it's you know its sun had gone out at a certain point so it's about to um, implode and then you know he asks what what are the ramifications of that? Um, but uh, uh, then, of course, uh, Scotty comments that uh, no matter what, he he should be able to get them out of there. And Spock, of course, tells him that it's somewhat illogical to be able to be certain of of such things. But Scotty's, of course, very confident. And then uh, the planet uh, begins to self destruct. And Kirk turns to Scotty and he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, I hope, I hope you're right. <laughs> um, uh, in the in the rec room, uh, Joe is talking because Sulu and someone and another man come in. Uh, Riley, we end up finding out his name is Riley. Um, they come in and they're going on about uh, fencing and, and how they should be able to do different things. And at this point, um, Joe keeps he's he keeps wiping his hand. And he's—it's as if he's trying to get something off, or as if his hand is very itchy. We're not uh, at this point. We—we really—we see that there's nothing on his hand, but uh, we're not quite sure what the deal is there. Um, and then uh, he decides that he, you know, he—he uh, he says uh, at one point, uh, "quote Space isn't ours." Uh, why are we in it? It's not ours, and we have no right to it. Uh, end quote. Um, and then he he quickly becomes like very like sad and and what we would classify today as very emo. And uh, he turns a butter knife of all things because that's what he happened to pick up was a butter knife. He turns a butter knife on himself, and uh, it appears that he's about to uh, cut himself. And Sulu and Riley kind of tackle him to stop him, um, inadvertently uh, exposing blood from his torso, which they then get on themselves, and they don't necessarily realize it at first. Um, and then they start, uh, without, without noticing that they're doing it, they start wiping their hands, much like, uh, like Joe was doing. Um... Uh, then uh, we go on, and uh, McCoy and the first appearance of uh, Majel Barrett as Nurse Chapel, who she previously appeared in the uh, the pilot, the Cage, as Number One. Uh, she comes on as uh, uh, Nurse Chapel. She is, of course, uh, Gene Roddenberry's wife. Um, she comes on, and she uh, the two of them are trying to figure out what's going on with Joe. And because he appears to be dying, even though McCoy is like, why? He his his injuries weren't nearly bad enough. He's like, I should have been able to to save him. Um, 
then uh, the, the planet continues to decompose as they're going through all this stuff. And uh, back at the helm, uh, Sulu and, and Riley are there, and uh, they're clearly uh, showing signs of this, uh, this infection that they've contracted. Um, and Kirk goes to, to check on something else, leaving Spock in control. And then uh, Spock, he's, he's off doing his own thing. Him, him and Uhura are looking at something. And then all of a sudden, Sulu kind of leans over to, uh, to Riley, and he starts going on about how, um, uh, you know, oh, let's, let's get out of here. Let's go down to the gym, get a little bit of workout in. And Riley's like, you know, Sulu, what are you doing? Like, we're in the, pretty much we're in the middle of our shift. Like, we can't do that. And then Sulu just gets up and he keeps looking over at, uh, at Spock, who doesn't really notice. And then he, he kind of sneaks out of the bridge, which, again, I'll get to a little bit later. Um, and then not long after, uh, Riley starts to show signs and he becomes uh, a bit of a bother to Spock, who then... Uh, relieves him of his post, asking Uhura to sit in. Uh, Spock tells him, "Get down to sick bay." And then, of course, as he uh, as he's as he's there going to sick bay, he just he he does not get there. He uh, keeps getting distracted by all sorts of things. But then, by the time he finally does get there, he is he attempts to flirt with uh, uh, Nurse Chapel and uh, inadvertently touches her chin, which we see a close-up of, and that, that causes uh, them, that, that causes her to get the infection. Um, uh, not long after, uh, Sulu, of course, comes in the, the famous uh, shot that, we've, that, that many people have seen. Uh, he comes strolling through the hall with his sword, because he's been into fencing, which him and, and Riley had been talking about earlier. And uh, he ends up getting up to the bridge, and he's trying to take on uh, Kirk and Spock, and he sees Uhura, and he grabs her, and he, he thinks that, uh, you know, he's like, I'll take you here, fair maiden, and she's like, sorry, neither, and she pushes him off, and uh, Kirk goes to take him out, and then, of course, Spock takes him down, with the uh, Vulcan nerve pinch, which I believe, I could be mistaken, but I believe that that is uh, the first appearance of the Vulcan nerve pinch in the aired order, which of course is what we're going with here. Um, and then, uh, uh, because Riley never got seen by uh, Dr. Dr. Bones, Bones McCoy, um, he kept traveling the ship, and then when when Kirk finally goes to to call down Kirk or Spock, I, I don't you know he, he one of them goes to call down to the engine room, and uh, uh, there's uh, the voice that they hear is Riley identifying himself as Captain uh, Captain Riley, and he kicked uh, Scotty and and the the engineers out, and then he just starts singing over and over again Kathleen, the song Kathleen, and uh, it's just over and over and over and over and over again, he just keeps singing it, and, and uh, you know, it's one more time, and he goes to sing it again, um, and then, uh, because he was down there, uh, he cut off the power, and then um, he was down, because Riley was down in the engine room, He's, he cut off, he turned off the engines and, and everything else, and uh, the the planet keeps keeps destroying itself, and, and unfortunately the Enterprise is sort of stuck within its atmosphere, it, they can't leave, so um, they, they're, they're, they're stuck, and they have uh, about 20, it says they have 20 minutes, and then of course the, the disease keeps spreading, throughout the crew. Uh, Spock starts to go throughout the ship. Kirk is, is doing, you know, he, he's trying to figure things out, and Spock is, is on his own little thing, trying to figure things out. And uh, he ends up down in 
the 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 medical office and he sees uh, nurse chapel there and by putting her hand she she grabs his hands and then she puts her hand on his cheek which of course we find out later spreads the disease to him uh but she begins to confess her love for him and he you know he sort of it, that kind of messes him up because that brings out his emotions which as we've discussed on the show previously um you know he uh, he's always he's very, very emotionless uh, except at certain points and so this of course drives him crazy because he's literally uh you know he he's strolling the halls and he's almost crying and then he locks himself in a room and he's he just like he's he's in a battle with himself in this room and uh he just starts, you know, yelling, and he's just like, I need to be in control, and he, you know, whatever, and he's just, like, so upset, and, uh, uh, he's just, he's freaking out. Uh, eventually, um, Kirk and Scotty get back into control of the engine room, but they find out that, uh, he shut, that Riley shut the engines down completely, and that they need time to, to start them back up because, as uh, Scotty tells Kirk, Kirk's like, we don't have the time, Mr. Scott. And uh, he says, you know, he's like, sir, I, I can't change the laws of physics. He's like, I need this time. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they only have, they, I think he says he needs like 30 minutes, but they only have like eight minutes to spare. Um... And so, uh, at one point, you know, Kirk is like, you know, get going with this. And, uh, you know, he's like, try Because he, he, he comes up with, with a plan and he says, you know, Mr. Scott, you know, Scott, Scotty, keep going, doing this thing. And, and then uh, Kirk goes to find um, um, Spock and then they kind of have it out. They, you know, they get, uh, Kirk starts smacking the crap out of Spock telling him, like, you know, keep your, you know, you need to keep your emotions in control. He's like, this isn't you, Mr. Spock. And, uh, of course, while they're doing that, uh, McCoy, uh, discovered a cure through Sulu. He uses Sulu as, as his, uh, uh, his, uh, you know, for his experiment to, to figure out, and he gets a cure, and so then they're just like, you know, we're, we're taking it, we need to get, you know, deliver it to the whole ship. And, uh, then, in the middle of the uh, Kirk-Spock fight, when Spock finally smacks him back, that infects Kirk. And then he starts, you know, going on about, uh, you know, emotions and, and love, and, and uh, it's, it's, it's terrible. And then he, of course, uh, the, the thing that interested me was he begins talking about uh, a beautiful yeoman, which, of course, I took to mean... Uh, Rand, because why would I not, why would anyone not, you know, take that in, into consideration? Um, and then uh, they finally make their way up to the bridge because they, you know, uh, uh, Spock sort of regains his, his composure and uh, Kirk, he's slowly making his way up there and then uh, by the time they get back up to, to the bridge, um, McCoy is there with the uh, with the the cure, and he, he you know rips. Of course, he rips part of Shatner's shirt. Uh, as Dave mentioned previously, that happens quite a lot um, to the point where one of the networks you know started doing a, a count of it. But uh, he gets the the thing, and then they they're moments away from from the planet uh, uh, destroying itself. And Scotty, you know, call, uh, uh, calls up, but he's just like, I think I've got it, Captain. And uh, then Sulu, who's back uh, at the helm because he, he got the cure, he uh, figures out the way that they can escape, and then it does, and what happens is they get shot backwards, but when they get shot backwards, they end up going backwards through time, not just backwards through space. And it turns out that they they lose three days. They have the ability to live the past three days over again. And of course, Kirk is like, "Well, hopefully not those exact three days." Uh, 
and uh, uh, Spock makes reference to the fact that if that's the case, they can go back and they can, uh, you know, uh, help uh, prevent diseases and, and, and deaths and other things like that. And uh, Kirk decides to not go back to the planet because, you know, it's possible that uh, what had happened was always supposed to happen to them. So instead, uh, he tells uh, Mr. Sulu to uh, proceed ahead with uh, Warp Factor 1, and then they just go off and, and they do something else. So um, that was sort of pretty much that, that sums up most of uh, the episode. Um, now, normally, while I'm watching the episode is when, uh, this is when I, I, I pull out my, my notes section, and uh, because it was just me this time, I, I actually took a, a decent amount of notes, and, uh, but normally uh, I will discuss them with, with Dave, and uh, we'll, of course, crack our, our usual jokes and, and things like that, but uh, so the, the notes that I took, because of course now I'm, I'm watching these on the, the remastered DVDs, that's the, the, the format that, w that I'm watching on, so if you're watching it from, you know, some type of original thing or whatever, the, the CGI shots may not be exactly the same. Um, and of course, as always, uh, no spoilers, we don't, we don't talk about, we don't give spoiler alerts because our theory here at Just Trekking Along is if it's been more than five years, the spoiler warning window is closed. That's why we don't, uh, the only thing that we won't discuss on this particular episode, or on this at this particular point, is uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, because it hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been the five-year mark yet since it was released. Um, so uh, the first thing I have in my notes is that the opening CGI shot looked very much like a next generation uh, thing, where it was like the ship, but the, 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 the CG was, it looked very crisp, like the, the ship, you know, from the next generation, as if it was flying around a planet. Um, they didn't have that, of course, in the original airings, that's why they, they did part of the remasterings. Um, not the first time, nor the last time, that the Enterprise crew goes onto an ice planet, of course, we know that uh, something similar happens when uh, they find um, Khan, the Space Seed episode, and uh, I just always, I think it's very interesting when, when space shows in general do the ice planet concept, because it, there's always something there, and there's always some type of uh, disease. Um, they have the uh, orange hazmat suits, but they're not connected at the head, which of course is is how our 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 heroes come into the 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 difficulty that they have throughout this episode because had they been then uh, Joe would not have been able to reach up and touch his nose, but it also doesn't make sense that they wouldn't be connected because if and if there was anything that was airborne it could get right up through. That's the I I believe that's the point of a hazmat suit is that it's, you know, not, you're not supposed to be able to let anything in, whether it be airborne or, uh, you know, uh, anything through, through touch or anything like that. Um, but, you know, perhaps I could be wrong because it is the future. Uh, the readers that they're using, the, the things that uh, Spock is, but mostly I see, you know, you see Spock using it to, to get the readings on the, the people and, and the ice and the, the equipment, it looks pretty much like a fancied-up blow-dryer, which I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they used for it, because things as simple as that, redressed a little, you know, uh, could make for really cool-looking sci-fi devices, such as, as uh, these readers. Um, that body that they find there, the woman who was strangled, that's clearly a dummy, uh, some type of mannequin, or something, you know, out of a department store. That's it. Clearly looked like that. Uh, my next note is never remove the suit because what Joe does is he takes off his glove, puts 
puts the, the, the little thing that he has, not the blow dryer, but it, you know an, another little device, he puts it down on the ice, he takes off his glove, scratches his nose, picks up the device before putting his glove back on, and then he begins uh, touching things along the way, including the thing of ice, which is how the, uh, the blood from the, the, you know, the, the, the thing of blood gets in contact with his skin, which, by the way, that, uh, it was my next note, is that CGI freeze frame on the blood was really well done for the 60s, because, you know, it, pretty much up until even, uh, parts of the 80s and 90s, they had to still freeze frame things to add CGI. It was very, very rare that you were able to still move the camera and add CGI, uh, you know, add something happening while the camera was moving. It would often have to be some sort of freeze frame. So um, I think that was a very, very well done version for the time period. Um, and then, of course, uh, Spock calls up to the ship and he says something along the lines of, uh, this is nothing we've ever dealt with before. And I, I just, I love how ominous those type of lines always are. And it's, it, it, I mean, I, of course they have to, uh, they have to set it up for us. You know, like, oh, the, the, here's the danger this week. But it's just, the, some of the lines are so cheesy, I think. Um, and it just, it makes me, and especially because, and I, you know, of course you reflect back, you know, uh, what almost 50 years later and it's of course it's going to have a little bit of a cheese factor but uh it just it makes me chuckle every time um then uh they're they're back on the ship but you know and then they they have these uh the, the i don't know even know what they are sometimes they're they're for they're for video or whatever uh, it's like we we used at one point, you know, there would be like uh, floppy disks and then CDs and now thumb drives and now we just do everything through the, the cloud or, or some type of other, you know, uh, uh, storage, you know, uh, wireless storage device. They used what looked like, of course they didn't have it at the time, but what, look, what eventually would look like Game Boy cartridges. That's that. That's what they used for all their stuff. So I, I, looking at that for their for their tapes and everything, it's just like, why are they using Game Boy cartridges? Um, and they, they came in all different colors, like the original Pokemon. Um, uh, then of course uh, there was the scene uh, in the the uh, when they were getting checked out by by Bones when when Joe and Spock were getting checked out, and Bones throws in that line about uh, the green stuff running through. Uh, Spock's veins, and uh, you know we we've seen we've seen the two of them bicker, and as as uh, Dave pointed out uh, previously uh, in episodes, you know they they do have sort of a, a little bit of a sibling rivalry type thing that happens throughout the series. So it, it's fun to see those little little bits of that in this episode. Um, and of course, uh, Majel Barrett comes in as Nurse Chapel, and uh, she has wildly different hair than she did as number one in uh, in the pilot, the cage. Um, and then I, I, I saw that the guy was wiping his hand, and, and Joe, he had been wiping his hand several times, and uh, I, I noticed it the way he was doing it at first, and then the, the subsequently all the rest of them did it a little bit, he was very much, um, very Macbeth, very Shakespearean, you know, out, out, damn spot. Like, it, it seemed, it seemed sort of like that. Um, then at the scene where, uh, he has, where Kirk has all of his, uh, the, the heads of all the different departments, pretty much, except for the fact that Uhuru, Uhura and, uh, Sulu were, were missing, most of those people are, uh, the, the characters that we've come to know and love as as the Enterprise crew. So it was kind of cool seeing all of them sort of in the same place at the same time, again, except for Uhura and, and Sulu. Um, and then uh, uh, they said about checking for things, you know, the, 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 the things that they have only read what they're designed to read. And that's one of the things that I, I don't, you know, that... The, the, makes me laugh about science is like oh well well that's not true because our our things don't, our devices don't say that and it's like well your devices are only you know that's e even today that was 
you know, in the 60s about the future, but, but that is still true today. They, you know, they're only designed to read what they're designed to read. They're not really designed to read things that aren't, you know, that, that haven't been discovered yet. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, Spock even says something along the lines of space still contains, you know, the infinite unknown. And, uh, again, that's, you know, 50 years later, that's as true, I think, we know a lot more than we did then, but that's pretty much as true today as it was then. Um, and then uh, they, they go on, and, and uh, Joe, he's in the, the rec room, and he, there's that cool little microwave thing where he puts in the little uh, the little Game Boy cartridge, and, and it opens up the, the microwave and gives them the... Well, it's not it doesn't open up a microwave, but it, it opens up that thing and gives them, like, instant food. You know, I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um... And then I saw him wiping his hand again, and all I could think of, af you know, at that point was uh, there was an episode of MASH where uh, one of the doctors did that, and he kept wiping his hand, but, you know, that was that was more uh, a psychological, you know, uh, more, that was more in, in term, you know, in, in, in turn with, uh, with Macbeth, where it was like, I can't get this blood off my hands. You know, I've seen too much. That wasn't necessarily the case with this, but it did. It did sort of remind me of that. Um, this is, of course, one of the first episodes where we see Sulu become a prominent character, which is really cool. Like we saw him an episode or two ago, and he had the blue, and I didn't really like that because that's not how I I know him. So um, to see him sort of come to the forefront you know, here was, was, I thought, really cool, and, you know, it's, it's early, it's not as early as I thought it would have been, especially as, you know, I know him as, as the, the non-seasoned uh, uh, person, as, as not as seasoned as, as Dave, um, I thought it was really cool, though, to see him come to the forefront already, um, and, uh, I have here, uh, if it weren't a virus, one might think it was cabin fever, the way he was acting and the things that he was saying. Of course, it wouldn't necessarily be true because he had just been off the ship, but all of the things that he was saying and, and the way that he was was uh, acting, it was, it's very much, you know, what happens with uh, with cabin fever on these, uh, on, on long voyages. Um, and then uh, when they when they take him down and he had accidentally stabbed himself, that was so obviously paint. It was not blood and it was a terrible, it's terrible that they think that we would fall for that. Um, Kirk says about a supplemental log, which makes sense with a conversation that we had had previously on the show, where, like, how does he know what's going on when when does he record these things does he record them after the fact does he record them during whatever is going on because he seems to know in the in whenever he's doing the, the voiceovers for the captain's log he seems to know more than his character does on screen so the fact that they they have him say supplemental log which of course at the end of the episode that does make a little bit more sense because of the the time travel aspect but uh, to have him say supplemental log, uh, I thought made, uh, you know, that's how he, that could, they, they should have done that more often. I thought that could have explained how he has the knowledge that he always has. Um, the, uh, the, the red light, every time there's something surgical happening in, you know, going on with McCoy when he's trying to keep Joe alive, I thought that was funny how, like, everything that he's doing, it's always just the little red light on his torso. And uh, then it was just, you know, like that was the, the indication that something is going on here. Something surgical is happening. There's a little red light shining. Um, uh, when Sulu is on the bridge with Riley, and when, when he gets out of there, Riley is saying to him, he's like, Sulu, Sulu. And he, he's extremely loud. That's one thing I've never really understood about TV is, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're yelling. And it's like, let me take two steps over here away from the, you know, the person that I don't want to hear me, take two steps away, then talk at pretty much the same tone or even a louder tone, and all of a sudden, 
they can't hear me anymore because I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm just a little bit out of, the, out of their direct earshot, even though I'm not really. I've never really understood that. Like, he was yelling. He's like, Sulu! Like, you know, don't be doing this! Spock never looks up. Nothing. It just, it made absolutely no sense to me. Um, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take something from Dave now by talking about the uniforms. But, uh, mine goes more with the, uh, insignia on them. Because, uh, previously we had talked about how, uh, the, um, the insignia, they have the, the little A looking, the, the arrow pointing upward, and at this point, that was for the crew of the Enterprise, and of course, later on, that becomes the, uh, the, the Starfleet logo overall, um, but I thought it was kind of interesting that Kirk has the star that we are, uh, that we know of now, in the, in, in, you know, 50 years later, the, the star that we know of as part of that logo with the, the top, the top point on the star being extended by a lot. Um, whereas, uh, Bones, and then we see Spock later on, they have, uh, some, some other type of, of logo in their version of the little, the, the Enterprise Starfleet arrow. Um, and then, of course, I have later on in a note, but uh, uh, Nurse Chapel has sort of a Red Cross type of thing going on. So the fact that they all sort of had different, uh, different little logos inside of their, uh, at this point, Enterprise later Starfleet logos, I thought was a, a pretty interesting um, touch. And at least, but at least for the most part, they did keep them consistent in this episode. I know that's a big... Uh, point of contention with my uh, absentee co-host is the fact that they've never the, early on they didn't keep a lot of this stuff uh, consistent um, uh, again going back to something that we've previously talked about where you know everyone should know how to run everything a little bit uh, when when Spock kicks Riley off the helm Uhura has to, to take over and she immediately knows how to go from the communication section to, you know, uh, uh, running part of, of the helm and, and, and things like that. And I thought that was uh, pretty cool. And that does relate back to previous conversations we've had where, uh, you know, uh, Dave had, had commented that he thinks uh, it makes sense that everybody would know how to run a little bit of everything on the ship. And it, it does make sense. And it, it clearly comes into practice here. Um, my next note, uh, Sulu's chest glistens because he comes out, of course, with the, with the sword and, you know, he's just incredibly built, puts me immediately to shame with his body type, uh, you know, and, and, and the, the muscles that he has. And I, you know, I, I put more, I'm a layers type of person I you know I, I don't I don't like to to be in in uh, you know uh, very little layers so I, I almost I put it I almost put a jacket on I was so I was so ashamed to to think of myself in comparison to how to how he looks um, but uh, you know and they, they they because we find out later that it's it's a perspiration thing with this disease or the infection but of course, at that point, we don't know that. So you know, it's just he's just his his chest is just glistening there. Um, then uh, I have about how this uh, this unseen yet through touch infection has become sort of a sci-fi staple. Um, they've done that on on so many so many sci-fi fantasy shows. I'm pretty sure the X Files did it a few times, you know, other, other, uh, shows of, of, of a similar nature and, and the, the, uh, the, the, the fandoms where the fandoms would cross over, they've, they've done episodes like this. So, you know, I thought that was, um, was a little too, a little too, uh, on the nose for Star Trek, but, you know, the fact that Star Trek is one of the first, so, you know, they, 
kind of set it up, you know, it, it does, it makes it a little better. Um, I put uh, Takei missed his calling as a swashbuckler. And, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, uh, Spock comments on the fact that, you know, uh, Riley is, is going, you know, he, he believes himself to be a descendant of Irish kings. Uh, Sulu is, is acting like a swashbuckler out of, as you say, the 1800s or the 18th century or, or something like that. And I think, honestly, the way that Takei was going had someone at the time cast him in some type of swashbuckling movie, like a, a pirate movie or, you know, something, anything, he would have been brilliant. And I think he could have made a career out of it. Not that he hasn't had a, you know, a, a phenomenal career, but I think he could have made a career out of it because he was very good. Um, and then, of course, uh, next note is uh, the Vulcan nerve pinch, which I, I, I believe is the, the first time that that appears in the series. I believe this is the, the first time that we've, uh, that we've seen it. Um, I could be wrong on that. Uh, please, someone, let me know if I am. Um, I put, uh, Riley is clearly too smart with the tech, which, I mean, I guess is a good thing, but the rest of them seem kind of dumb in comparison with it, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. It's like, he knows how to do all of these things with turning off the engines and locking all the rooms and taking over all the communications and whatever, but none of them know how to get pat Like, he's, he's the smartest person on the ship when it comes to tech. It just, that, that seemed a little too, uh, too far-fetched to me. Um, and then, of course, uh, as he, he did take over the communications, um, Uhura is trying to, to get them back, and, and Kirk is yelling at her, and he's just like, you know, get it done, and she's like, I'm trying, and then she, you know, they look at each other, and she's just like, you know, I, I, I am trying, and he's like, I know, you know, thank you very much, and they kind of give, like, that little flirty smile to each other, and, you know, as, as uh, we talked about previously, um, we know that in the future, they sort of set the two of them up, and then in the reboot, they they went the opposite way by setting her up with with Spock and uh, early you know the first few episodes that we had seen um, uh, you know there was that thing where she kind of flirted with Spock and of course if it was if this was a show made today um, they would I think they would focus on that the the potential you know the love triangle but uh, you know back then of course they didn't they didn't do things like that serialized things like that didn't uh, happen on on, on uh, primetime network TV that much um, but then you know they they get to their flirting and then uh, in the, you know one of the next few scenes chapel she's there and she flirts with Spock which I found very interesting because as much as I had known that uh, uh, Barrett was Roddenberry's wife and she was in the pilot and then she you know, she came on and she played Chapel, and then she also, of course, later does the, the voice of, of the ship. I never knew that, like, she had anything really more than just, uh, you know, a part where she comes in, says a few lines or whatever, but, like, if this is any indication where she's there and, and she's, like, flirting with Spock and she's telling him that she loves him and, you know, all this stuff and the fact that we, we sort of see her as a real character, I, I like that. I, I like that we, you know... Um, one, I like that he kind of uh, kept her involved with the show, um, and two, I like that uh, that that you know they she's not just another random you know person who just uh, you know she is a, a a recurring developing character you know because you didn't see that too often there was always you know there was your your two or three main people and that was it but this show was very much, even though they didn't, you know, may not have gotten credited as, nor compensated as, they were very much an ensemble cast. And the fact that uh, even the recurring people like her and, and Rand, uh, to a certain extent Rand, they, uh, they got, you know, they got the chance to, to develop as characters. I, I thought that was really cool, and I hope that that, that continues. Um, again, I don't know, I haven't seen, you know, all of these, or, or even many of these, but... Uh, I hope that that does continue. Um, and it appears 
and maybe I was just reading too much into it, but uh, it, it appears that uh, Spock seems to know that something's going on, but then it quickly uh, came to be that he was just, his human emotions were starting to take him over. And uh, it's very unfortunate because I thought it would have been kind of cool if they had done that, where it was more like Spock recognized that something was going on, because it immediately went more into, uh, you know, his, his emotions are taking over and he's trying to keep his emotions in check, as opposed to what I think they could have done with it, which was uh, he realizes that it's uh, an infection and that it's taking over, but then all of a sudden his human emotions take over, and then that translates into, uh, you know, well, uh, why should I let my human emotions take over when it's, I know that it's this infection, and it's sort of like an internal battle within an internal battle. I think they could have could have done something with that, but uh, obviously they, they chose to go another way. Um, uh, Kirk's, when they finally break into the, into the, the, uh, the engine room, Kirk looks at the, the red shirts and he says, uh, you know, put your phasers on stun. And, uh, I, I, again, I could be wrong, but I think that's one of the first times that we hear that in, in the show, for, you know, for the first time. So I thought that was really cool as well. Um, to see, uh, then they cut back to see uh, Spock crying and then embarrassed about it. Very, very rare. Very rare for the, uh, the Vulcan uh, emotionless Spock. Um, uh, then, you know, uh, not long after, he comments on the fact that his mother is human. Now, in a, uh, an episode that we have discussed previously on the show, he comments that one of his ancestors had mated with a human. And, and of course, in our, in our discussion on the podcast, I said about how it's his mother. We you know, we, we find out later on that it's his mother, and, and so why would he say an ancestor? So clearly, uh, they had developed that episode before this episode, and they, you know, sort of, uh, they sort of uh, put together better how it was going to, to play out. Um, and then uh, Kirk, uh, he goes on, and this is when uh, Kirk and, and Spock are, are discussing and uh, Kirk smacks the crap and possibly the emotions right out of Spock. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And then, of course, Spock finally smacks him back, which is what causes him, which I don't quite understand why that caused him to, uh, uh, you know, every time he, sp he smacked Spock, it not, you know, the, the, the disease, he didn't get infected, but when Spock finally smacks him, that's what... what transferred the disease to him, so I thought that was kind of odd. Um, and then Shatner, you know, some, some and may call it overacting, if my host, my co-host was here, he might say that it was, you know, the Shatner overacting, but honestly, I thought it was great. Um, I did, I, th I thought Shatner, you know, it's, it, he, he brings just the right bit of emotion to it, I think. And that's not a pun because of the Spock thing. I, I do. I think he's. I think he brings just the right amount of emotion to it. He was. You know. I think he's a very good actor, and I think people give him too much of a hard time. And I know that probably in the comments to this, I'm going to get uh, trash talked, and I'm going to get metaphorically slapped, much like uh, Spock was literally slapped. Um, of course, we're we're immediately led to believe uh, that he is talking about Rand. You know, his he's longing for his for his yeoman. Um then he he gets back up to the uh to the thing, gets his shirt ripped, gotta show gotta show uh, shirtless Shatner there, and you know, can't can't have uh, the original series TOS without uh, shirtless Shatner. Um and then they you know, they, they finally they make it out of there. Because uh, his plan goes, Scotty's able to execute Kirk's plan, and and really all that happens is uh, you know a loud noise, which kind of irritates them, but you know it it works. And I uh, put uh, despite the loud noise, they made it. Hopefully, wiser for the next time. And of course, it turns out that they are because Kirk decides, well, let's you know we have this uh, this information and we have this ability now, but uh, let's let's not necessarily quickly get ourselves into another situation like that. 
Um, and they, they travel backwards in time, of course. And uh, this is not the first time, nor the last time, time travel will ever occur. Uh, which, of course, uh, I can briefly tease, as we do in every, uh, uh, every episode. Uh, time travel, of course, plays a big part in the Borg discussion that we will one day have here on the show. Of course, I can't talk too much about it because uh, uh, my absentee co-host, Dave, knows more about that particular um, topic than I do. But, uh, you know, we, every episode we give a little bit of tease on how uh, we will have that Borg discussion one day. So, uh, time travel, of course, plays a huge part of that. And there is your plug for the, uh, the, the Borg chat tease at some point. Um, and then uh, uh, my last note, which I, I believe, and, and actually I have a, another note uh, after that, which confirms it, but that... Uh, I think that would have been, you know, the, the time travel thing would have been a perfect chance to serialize the show, but they just, they did not do that so much back then. They did not serialize. Everything was all, you know, uh, unless it was a, like a daytime soap, they did not, uh, they did not serialize things very often. And that's really a shame because I think it would have been, because we, as we know from, the next generation and, and Deep Space Nine and and Voyager and Enterprise the the serialized Trek even the even the films the serialized Trek to me really draws me in and granted of course I, I like serialized programming a lot anyway but you know having a different uh, different villain a week doesn't always doesn't always get me um, so I think it was I think it was kind of shameful that they didn't uh, that they didn't get it you know, take, take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, okay, now is uh, normally the part of the show where I give a little bit of a, sort of a behind-the-scenes look at the show, you know, different uh, production notes and, and things like that that I found to be interesting. I only have a few this time. Um, I always like to, to look at when the first draft of the uh, teleplay was finished in comparison to when it was filmed and then finally aired. Uh, it was first, the first draft, which of course there are numerous uh, rewrites on drafts, but uh, the first draft was finished uh, June, dated June 23rd, 1966. It was then filmed in July and then aired September 16th, 1966. So that's a, you know, pretty short amount of time for, for you know, we, we've discussed before how they were often, you know, shorter amounts of time, but uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, again, this is a, a bottle show type episode, uh, which, it, it, you know, as, I, as I've said before, is uh, one where there's not really many extra sets. There's, you know, it's just them, and it's on the ship. The main characters that we always see, not many guest stars, not many extra sets, things like that. There's things that they already use. It's a, it's a very, it's a cost-cutting uh, measure. Um... It was produced 7th, if you count the cage, aired 4th, but it's, of course, the 5th in our viewing because we, we count the cage in that. Um, it was originally to be a two-parter with the episode Tomorrow is Yesterday. With It was going to end with them going back in time, and then uh, much of the plot of Tomorrow is Yesterday uh, was going to happen, and, of course, well, we will discuss that uh, more when we get to that episode. Um... This episode, going along with our no spoilers thing, this episode uh, comes back in two episodes of The Next Generation. One, which is called The Naked Now. Uh, Riker references it, and I believe uh, something uh, happens similar to, to this episode. Um, and then it, it, it appears again in the episode uh, Relics of The Next Generation. Um, but uh, personally, since I don't know those episodes too well, um, I don't. I won't even begin to uh, wax uh, about them. Um, <laughs> now this is a big, uh, big continuity error, big plot hole that you could drive an 18-wheeler through, and uh, that is that when Sulu, shirtless and glistening, uh, grabs Uhura. He doesn't transfer the virus to her, which doesn't quite make sense. Similarly, uh, when he is uh, moments later, when he's battling Kirk and Spock, 
and you know Kirk hits him and, and Spock gives him the Vulcan nerve pinch. Uh, neither of them can track the virus from him at that moment either. So uh, that's I thought that was kind of odd. Um, uh, I hadn't I, I sort of picked up on it, but to be honest, it was it, I didn't really pay much attention to it. I was more focused on the actual episode itself. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're Dave, uh, even though he's, he's not here, he's here with us, you know, in, in, in spirit. And, uh, he's always, always, always going on about the uniforms. And, uh, I don't quite know about, I don't know nearly as much about it as he does, but, uh, there's something he's talked about before with the, the bar, the, 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 the bar that they have along their wrist to indicate what rank they are or something like that. And, uh, uh, Joe points out that Sulu doesn't rank him, but apparently Sulu does because Joe is a lieutenant junior grade, whereas Sulu is a lieutenant, which would be outranking him. And then again, there's something to do with the bar on his on his uh, sleeve, I guess. I, I don't quite know. We'll have to wait until uh, Dave returns so that we can uh, talk with him about that. Um, I thought this was interesting. This is the only episode of the original series in which all three main females, meaning Uhura, Rand, and Chapel, all appear together in the episode. Uh, we would not see the three of them appear in an installment again until Star Trek The Motion Picture. And uh, my last uh, production type note is that uh, both George Takei and the particular writer on this one, John Black, uh, they both refer to this as their favorite episode. And why wouldn't they? It's a fantastic episode. Um, I, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, I, I, I kind of wish, again, I kind of wish that there was one or two things that had been different, but uh, other than that, there's, you know, it was, it was just a brilliant episode overall. Um... Now is the point of the show where uh, where uh, we discuss uh, sort of new Star Trek uh, news, and of course uh, last time that you know the, the the big news last time was about uh, Simon Pegg being announced as co-writer for the upcoming uh, third installment of the rebooted Star Trek uh, films. The rumor that uh, I, I came across was that uh, possible that uh, the new villain could be played by Malcolm in the Middle and Breaking Bad favorite alum uh, Brian Cranston. So, uh, this is, again, I'll, I'll be reading from SlashFilm.com, a beloved uh, source for us here at Just Trekking Along written by Germaine Lussier, originally published uh, February 3rd of 2015. Uh, one of the most, uh, it, it discusses what, you know, Simon Pegg being announced and Justin Lin and then the, the uh, projected release date of uh, July 8th, 2016, and then it, it goes on to say, uh, one of those moving parts is casting and the latest rumor is that everyone's go-to villainous actor, Brian Cranston, is being sought for a role. Another rumor is the film features three new lead female characters. The Federation president, a new Starfleet uh, captain, and Bones' ex-wife. Uh, uh, they cite the, the, web, the, the, the website Film Divider. Um... And they, you know, they, it, again, these are just rumors. These aren't actual facts, but I thought they were interesting enough to, to share. Um, it says, uh, the film's villain will be male, and they want Brian Cranston for the role, uh, or at least someone like him. Apparently, he may have even spoken to someone at Paramount about joining the project, but nothing is set in stone. Um, it, that would be a, a fantastic choice. I think he's a, a brilliant actor. I thought so even before Breaking Bad, and I'm not, uh, I know I'm, uh, the internet is going to hate me for this, but uh, I'm not really that big of a fan of Breaking Bad. It's just, it's not my thing. I don't, I, 
I don't really like it all that much. It was very good, it was very well done, and I, I completely understand why people like it, but it was just not really, not my, uh, my cup of tea, but uh, I thought he was, I thought he was great in it, so it, it completely makes sense, and it was very good, it was very cool to see him as a bad guy, which we hadn't really seen him as, uh, that often most people only knew him from you know Malcolm in the Middle or or little you know one-off appearances here or there um, as for the other rumors uh, the female Federation captain would reportedly line up as a rival to Kirk which would be really cool to see him to see Kirk go sort of head-to-head -head with a woman and not in a you know in a, a Shatner sexy type way um, a brash, confident person, very much like him. Um, uh, the United Federation of Planets president would be an actress who is very recognizable and authoritative. Uh, and then it says it's unclear if Bones's, if the role of Bones's ex would be a character previously established or not. In theory, these rumors are all pretty exciting and logical. Spock would approve. The article continues to say. Uh, uh, but again, it then goes on to reference Star Trek Into Darkness, which we're not uh, we, we're not discussing. Um, and then it just goes on to to say more about how you know Justin Lin still hasn't set anything in stone yet. But uh, I think those rumors are, are are pretty interesting. Again, I think Brian Cranston would be a great villain uh, if uh, if Simon Pegg is writing it. It's going to be a, a fantastic film. Um, it's uh, it does it still makes me a little nervous the the whole you know they want a, a non Trek type film with the Trek name I, I am still hesitant on that but uh, you know to see to see uh, Kirk go head to head with a female captain and then having a female president of the the Federation I think would be really cool it would be very much a dynamic that we haven't seen uh, it's it hasn't been too prevalent in Star Trek for one, not that we haven't seen female captains and things like that before, but it's, it, it hasn't been as overt as it would be today, and it would be really cool because we haven't really got to see Kirk sort of go up against that before. Um, so I thought that would be, would be uh, really cool as well. Um, so, uh, Um, the next, uh, unfortunately, it appears that that is all we have, a very short episode. I, I know, I'm sorry, I, uh, I'm not as good at this without my, my co-host. Um, you know, the, the episode that we're discussing is, is The Naked Time, and I was thinking to myself, what's well, a, a fun little uh, witty uh, title that I could come up with, and, and you know, to, in regards to, you know, uh, Naked Time, whatever, and I was thinking throughout the course of, of the episode, I was thinking, you know, should I make a, a Macbeth reference, or, you know, uh, uh, had, uh, had, uh, uh, they taken off more of, uh, of, uh, Shatner's shirt, I would have called it something, you know, scared shirtless, or, or something like that, but, uh, I came up with the, with the name that I did, one, because it was sort of misleading, much like uh, the Naked Time uh, title itself, and it was also because, uh, you know, I am, uh, I, I, the, the show is, is very stripped this time for, for more than one reason, you know, because uh, it's, it's lacking so much, it's a very short episode, uh, it's, it's lacking uh, much in the way of we're 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 missing our our other half you know we're, we're missing the the person who really who drives the show uh you know uh, my 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 co-host dave and uh it's you know hopefully we will be able to to get him back here uh very soon because clearly um i have been uh i talked myself into a corner and i'm terrible at doing this by myself because I don't know as much as as uh, as he does. I think he would be great at doing an episode by himself. Um, then again, it would probably be about five minutes, and then it would be over. Um, but uh, yes, I've I've really 
you know, I've pretty much exhausted all that I had, but I, I we knew that uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't let you guys down two weeks in a row. Um, you know, unfortunately, Dave had, uh, had prior commitments that uh, he wasn't able to get out of, so it fell upon me to, to do the episode. But, uh, you know, hopefully he will be back next week and uh, we'll be able to have a much, much better episode than this time. So uh, I think that's everything that we have. Um, thank you very much if you stuck around this whole time. Um, once again, I apologize. Uh, next time we will be discussing uh, the episode The Enemy Within, which I believe I have seen before, so uh, I'm very excited about that. Um, so, uh, thank you again. Uh, please don't, don't base everything uh, for, for this program off of this, this particular episode. Uh, but, uh, so please, please come back. Um, uh, thank you all very much. Uh, live long and prosper. Sorry again, everybody, about that. Um, despite that episode, I am going to ask you, though, uh, you know, follow us on social media at Clock Shelves, C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks.